I'm entitling the message this morning, What in the World is Going On? What in the world is going on? We're going to look at one of the most read and least thought through scriptures, maybe, in all of the Bible. I'm going to take you to the 24th chapter of Matthew, chapter 24, and I'm going to read to you some words that Jesus spoke in telling us today what in this world is going on. We better stop and ask ourselves the question, not only what in this world is going on, but what in your life is going on. Where are you personally in all of this? Jesus was very specific in some words he wanted us to hear today. And I want to read them to you from Matthew chapter 24, and I'll start reading with verse 3. And as Jesus sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately saying, listen to this, tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? Now, Jesus has just told them, there will come a day when I will return to this earth. And he said, I want you, my kids, to know, my followers to know more than the world knows. Don't expect to see this on 10 o'clock news or the 6 o'clock news. The only place you're going to hear what I'm going to tell you today is from the good news, which is the Word of God. And God has said very specifically, verse 4, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Jesus said, You better listen to me and not listen to what others are telling you. For many are going to come in my name, saying, I'm Christ, and they'll deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. You might put in the word hurricane where it says pestilences, all right? All of these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all the nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure to the end, shall be saved. Glory be to God. Could I take you to 2 Timothy, third chapter, verse 1 through 5. This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Now Paul is writing this. Jesus was the words I quoted a while ago. Now the apostle Paul the persecutor of Christians, a man that was on his way to murder Christians, wrote this to a church and to a man named Timothy, to the churches and to a man named Timothy, a young boy. This know also, in the last days perilous times shall come, men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, 
false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Thus saith the Lord. My question to you is simple. Are you really thinking seriously about what's going on in the world today? Could I quote a weatherman that, that we watch quite often? He'll end his comments, what's going on in your neck of the woods? That's my question to you today. Right here where this neck is. What's going on there? What do you think about all this? Oh, it's bad. It's bad, preacher. It's bad. I don't think I've ever seen things so bad. It ain't over. It's going to get worse. That's what we're reading about here. It's going to get worse. And if you are not prepared for the coming event, any better than you were prepared for Harvey, you're probably in bad shape. And the warnings go out from the news media, that's one thing, but when the warnings come from the inspired and inerrant and infallible Word of God, it's time to sit up and take notice. Or quit pretending to be something that you're not, nor were you ever, because you were never, ever born again. It's pretty informing if you do watch the news, and I do, but it's real informing to me they don't have a clue what the Bible says. All they know is, is what Fox, CBS, NBC, ABC, ESPN, whatever. That's not the news, folks. The word gospel means good news. That's what the word means. That's, a, that's the definition of the word. It is good news. And the Bible is very clear and straightforward that Jesus Christ, after dying on a cross, on a Friday, was buried in a grave that was borrowed. On Sunday morning, he rose from the grave. For 40 days, he appeared to those that witnessed and had heard of the crucifixion and the resurrection. And after the 40th day, he ascended back to heaven to sit at the right hand of the Father. And the Bible says to make intercession for us to the Father. But then he says, the best has not yet come. He says, I will come again, and I will receive those who have heard the good news and have accepted the good news as good news to them because they have invited Jesus Christ to come into their life. He said, I'm going to come back and bring you home, and so shall you ever be with the Lord. Now, the Bible is very clear on the certainty of his coming the manner of his coming, in the sense that it's going to be personal. It's going to be sudden. He's coming down from heaven. You can't descend from down here. He said, I will descend from heaven with a shout. Now, I want to pause right here before I go further in this message because I'm be going deeper. I want to put a disclaimer what I'm going to tell you is only what I read in the Scripture, not what I know without the Scripture. Acts 1, 7. And Jesus said unto them, 
It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own power. In Mark 13, 32, the scripture says, But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Here's the disclaimer. I don't know, but I do know the signs. I do know the things that are clear to me and to you that we can know more than people that do not believe the Bible. They don't read the Bible. And some read the Bible and they still don't believe the Bible. But in a moment, the Bible says, as you think not, the Son of Man is going to come. We're living with people that, that tend to be religious, and they're doing everything they can do to try to make sure they're staying in the good graces of God because they're doing a little bit more than all their friends are doing. And they're a little bit more faithful. They give a little bit more sacrificially. They care a little bit more than others. But the question is, have you ever met Jesus Christ personally as your Lord and Savior? Has there ever come a time in your life that everything else passed away and your focus was only on the love the sovereignty, the goodness, and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, don't be discouraged. If, if you go out of here discouraged today, I'm going to be real disappointed, and so is the Holy Spirit. This is not a discouraging message. You can walk out of this door today and know that you know if Jesus comes today that you're going to meet the Lord in the air. You can know that. It is an absolute biblical promise that all God's children are given eternal everlasting life, and no one can pluck you out of the hands of God if you ever put your life in the hands of God. Now, you've got to put your life in your hands, not your hand in his hand. You know, some of us, we go around like this, you know, we're holding on to God, and then one day we decide to kind of turn loose and go get in trouble, and because Daddy's going to come get us and bring us back over. He doesn't turn us loose. He doesn't let you go if you're his kid. When you sin, he just disciplines you, takes care of it. It's all forgiven, forgotten. We move on to the next day. And every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. Amen? Yes, it is. 1 Thessalonians 5, 4. But you, brethren, are not in darkness. He's talking to us. And by the way, this is for the cisterns too, okay? The brothers and the sisters, all right? He says, you're not in darkness. That that day should overtake you as a thief. You all are the children of light, and you're the children of the day. We are not of the night, and we're not of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Don't you like those parts of the Bible, if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, that are kind of personal? Kind of gets down and... See, Jesus says some things to the whosoever will. He says some to those that claim to be his children, even though they're in bondage. But then he has some things to say to his faithful followers so that we never draw discouraged, but we always know that the Lord, he is God. The Bible says don't sleep like others are sleeping. Can I ask you a question? Not very biblical, just practical question that I thought up this week. Have you noticed how many mattresses are being sold today? I don't know what road you go down. I have never seen so many signs, mattresses. 
Firm ones, soft ones, whatever, free ones. I thought it's kind of ironic. It says, just before I come, everybody's going to be asleep. Well, we're sure helping them, you know. Got mattresses at the office, mattresses in the garage, mattresses in the house, mattresses at the deer camp. I mean, everywhere, you know. Let's just sleep it out. Let's sleep through it. No. But you know what? The world is so full of signs that are pointing us toward that great day when Jesus is going to come back again. I hope we're not arrogant to run around and say, I told you so. Let him tell them. Just say, thank you, Jesus. Your grace was sufficient. Your way was clear. Your way was the right way. You did lead me to make right decisions. I chose the right bride or the right groom. I chose the right vocation. I I chose the right decision. I surrounded myself with the right people. I abstained from the right thing uh, and, and did the things that I should do and to follow and to absorb. But in the Scripture, very quickly, from that Matthew passage, I want to give you several things. Number one. Look at it, verse 3 from Matthew. It says, there's going to be, here are the signs to the believers. If you're a believer and you believe not only in Jesus, you believe the Bible, here are the signs. I want to give you nine of them. There will be wars and rumors of wars all over the world. Today, my research has shown this week that there are at least 10 wars going on right now around the world that are identified as wars. Since 2011, here are the numbers. Syria, there have been 52,000 deaths directly attributed to war in Syria. In Afghanistan, 143,958 deaths. Iraq, 25,223 deaths. Pakistan, 20,165 deaths. Sudan, 50,859 deaths. Somalia, over 26,418 deaths. Yemen, over 3,473 deaths. Nigeria, over 1,541 deaths. Mexico, 1,513 deaths. Colombia, 21,267 deaths. That totals 346,417 deaths. There's be wars and rumors of wars around the world. The world population on January the 1st of this year was 7,530,103,737. Verse 7 says there's going to be famine will come. My research has shown, listen, listen, Houstonians, listen to those of you in the United States of America. There are more than one billion people living today on planet Earth that are starving to death. That's a B billion out of seven billion people. The Bible says there'll be pestilence and disease 1,600 plus will die in the United States of cancer today. There's over 30,000 diseases that have been identified by medical science today. They can name it, point to it, and prescribe something for it. 30,000 diseases. Earthquakes everywhere, even to our neighbor 
Mexico again. Not in Houston. Yeah, that's the reason maybe we're so cocky. We've had our Harvey, we just hadn't had an earthquake yet. We've seen people hungry, but not like the world sees people hungry because nobody comes to bring them food in many, many, many cases. Now, verse 9 says, listen to this, that the Jews will be persecuted. He said, you will be hated by all nations. I got my second favorite Jew to help me with this one. His name is Stuart Rothberg, if you have ever met him. He's one of our staff, for those of you that are watching. I got all the figures I could get, and I thank Stuart for interrupting his schedule. It says here that, that the Jewish people, and they are God's favorite folks, okay? If you don't know that, just trust me, okay? We'll discuss it later. But they are God's favorites. Listen to this. According to the FBI, 57% of anti-religious hate crimes last year in the United States targeted the Jewish people. Number two, the Jews represent less than 1% of the population of France. Now follow this. Yet according to the French Interior Ministry, 51% of all racist attacks in France targeted the Jews. According to the Pew Research Center in 2013, the number of countries where Jews are persecuted reached a seven-year high. According to the 2014 survey of the Anti-Defamation League, 1.09 billion people in the world harbor anti-Jewish attitudes. And finally, the anti-Jewish incidents in the United States surged more than one-third in 2016 and in 2017, in the first quarter, jumped 86%. Folks, that's not news. It is the prophecy of the Bible. They will be hated, and they are. They definitely are. Then it says in verse 12 from Matthew 24 that lawlessness shall abound. Research this year has shown that there's 713 Americans in the penitentiaries, or in jail, I should say, for every 100,000 population in the United States, 713. Now is where I really get emotionally involved. The next prophecy is that false prophets will arise. Verse 11, Matthew 24. What is a false prophet? You want to know? False prophets are those that do not know the Word of God. Or, if they know the Word of God, they refuse to preach the Word of God. In order that they can get the money and the approval of their audiences. End of my point. Absolute fact. Absolute fact. Many, many, many of our groups that meet together and say their churches will not even open any one of these 66 books. They will never say one word about sin. If there's anything that I'm thankful for about Sagemont Church in Houston, Texas, that for 51 years we have averaged seeing eight 
people every single week come to know Jesus Christ as personal Savior in our worship services. Eight a week for 51 plus years. That's not important in a lot of churches. It's important that people come and give and celebrate and, and enjoy the good times that they have together, not knowing that the Bible says, come out from the world, be separate, and do what God tells us to do. And God tells us to preach the Word of God. You know what this is right here? It's called a pulpit. You know why I think they call it a pulpit? Because this ought to be used to pull people out of the pits of hell. I, I, I love a pulpit because it does look a little authoritative. And if I faint, I can just fall on it. But folks, there's something about a sacredness of the place where the Bible is preached. And God's Word is God's Word. And to say we don't want to look too authoritative, I want to look not me, but I want the Word of God to be authoritative. It is the inspired, infallible Word of God. When Mark and Kevin brought the pulpit out, that's their job on Sunday, these guys that bring this out and set it here. Man, this thing is heavy. But it says something, not about the preacher, but it says something about this book. It's God's holy word. And the Bible says that we're not supposed to, to gain the approval or the endorsement of the culture. And verse 11 says, because of that, many will fall away from the truth. Now, when you fall away from the truth and Jesus says, I am the truth, what are you falling away from? And where do you go when you fall? Romans 10, 14 says the gospel will be preached to the world. Last week, Wade Owens led a group of folks to India. He sent back a map, and all, and all the red was showed where the gospel hadn't been preached in India. And then he made the statement, says, while we're there, we're going to remove some of that red ink. Because for the first time, the gospel was preached and 608 people gave their heart to Jesus Christ in India. This is what God blesses, folks. This is what God's blessing. He doesn't care about your prosperity. He doesn't care about how happy you are. He wants to know, are you going to walk with me or not? And if you're going to walk with me, you've got to be born again. And if you're born again, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So you're going to be baptized because you're not going to be ashamed of the gospel. But you're going to understand there's a difference in teaching the Word and preaching the Word. I thank God we got the greatest Bible teachers on the planet right here on this campus right now teaching the Word of God. They're phenomenal. But that's not my job in preaching as I see my job. I am proclaim what the Scripture has proven and these guys and gals teach. Thus saith the Lord. But the point is God's Word is sharper than a two-edged sword. And you put all the teaching together... And give the simple, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life, and get back and let the Holy Spirit do what only the Holy Spirit can do. And when that happens, revival will come in our land. Oh, I remember those days of Billy Graham. I remember those stadiums filled all over the world. Now people pay $100 a seat 
to go to a stadium and don't even go. Every, every game, you know, every time the, the team plays. Got season tickets, just don't go. These seats are free and everything goes with it. If Jesus comes into your life, you got the whole ball of wax. You VIP. <laughs> Isn't that great? You ever want to sit on a 50-yard line? Well, obviously not, looking right down here, but anyway. <laughs> that's, that's for you television folks, okay? We just go right straight at you. But here, I've got to close again. It says, men will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. We spend $2,500 per person per year in America on entertainment. That's the average, $2,500 per year. On the average Sunday... Most of the people that say they know Jesus stay at home. They watch on television. Thank God for television for those that need it. But God help you not to watch television when you could be in the house of worship somewhere. We need to gather ourselves together and worship him. There'll be some today that'll be enjoying their hobby. There are others that sleep late. You can come to church and do that. I'm not going to pass out ballots. Could I just ask you a question? And you can go like this or like this, and I promise you I won't see who you are. The Bible says in the last days men will be lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. you agree with that? I think only those that are asleep do not go like this. Sure they are. Sure they are. It's more exciting to see somebody step into heaven than it is to run a football across the goal line. I mean, to know you got something. I mean, you, you can be Super Bowl champion every year, every day of your life, for the rest of your life, you know, if you just give your heart to Jesus. But you know what? The Bible says it's going to be sudden. This is what worries me the most. It's going to be quick. You're looking at a preacher, and when I bring people like Chuck and Emory Gadd and those that have been a long time, Bill Cole here, there's been many, 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 many Sundays where we have stood on this platform and looked out or sat in a Bible study class and looked out. And before the following Sunday, the call came. They're absent from the body. They're gone. Suicides, death in every way. None of us know when we've heard our last sermon. And in Revelation 22, the last two or three verses of the Bible is God's last invitation. After 234 times inviting you to come and be saved, he invites you one more time. And you know where he ends it? And whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely. So clear and so simple. 318 references and 216 chapters of the New Testament tell us that Jesus is coming back to this earth. And Moses said it, Job said it in the Old Testament, David, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Daniel, Zechariah, all said it way back then. The day will come when the prophecies will be fulfilled and Jesus Christ will come again. And Matthew 25, 31 says, the Son of Man shall come in all of his glory. Glory, glory glory. I close by reading you from that 22nd chapter. I want you to hear it verbatim. This is God's last and final word to man. 
Verse 12, Behold, I come quickly. My reward is with me to give every man according as his work shall be. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end and the last. In verse 16 of the 22nd chapter, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and the morning star. And then in verse 20, he which testifies these things says, Surely I come quickly. You're not going to hear Jesus is coming and it's a stage two or a three or a four or a five. You're not going to have that kind of a warning. Jesus is going to descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God. The dead in Christ are going to rise first and those that are alive and remain to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air and so shall you ever be with the Lord. Now that is what the Bible says. If that's what I said... Forget it. But if it's what God said, don't ever forget it. He wants you to know he loves you. He sent his son to die for you. And if you would have been the only person on the planet, God would have sent his son for you. I believe his love is that great and his grace is that sufficient. But for us to grow up in America where the churches are on every corner and there was a day when those churches preached the gospel. But that day is rapidly going away. Verse 5 says, Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof, from such turn away. So let's stick with this, and I'm through. 2 Timothy 3.12 Yea, And all that live godly in Christ Jesus are going to suffer persecution. Is that true with you? But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Deceiving and being deceived. But continue you in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them. And that from a child you've known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished to every good work. Wow. Isn't God good? Do you really believe God was thinking about you when he put all this together? He says he did. He was. He says he was. Are you listening to me? Acts 1.11 says Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Ye men of Galilee, why are you standing gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which has gone up into heaven shall so come again. And he will come in the same manner as he did. And when he went into heaven, he's coming again. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death, what? Till he comes again. That's a communion service. That's the communion service. 
Eat this bread, drink this cup in remembrance of me. And my favorite is John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. If ye believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I'd have told you. And I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm coming back again. And I'm going to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you can be also. Ooh, it's one thing to go get your house fixed back up and get the sheetrock back up and dry it out and get flood insurance this time. I hope you get excited about all that, and I'm not discouraging not to do that. But that's not what really excites me. What excites me is there's a place prepared for me, and we don't have to worry about flood insurance nor fire insurance because so shall we ever be with the Lord forever and forever and forever. No taxes. No more death. No more suffering. No more hate. No more wars. I guess we better quit because we could go on till midnight. Let's do this. Let's go our way rejoicing today, and I want you to go your way rejoicing, every head bowed and every, every head bowed and every eye closed. Today, I want every one of you, if this is the first time you've ever been in church, first time you've ever watched on television, listening on the radio and the penitentiaries around this country, Acts 1:11 says, "The same Jesus that came to Bethlehem is coming back to this earth again. And if you would just be willing right now to block out all of your excuses later, at a more convenient time, not today, so full, so busy, I'll, next week, I'm praying that you will get that and just throw it away and say, devil, you're not using it on me today. I'm not stepping foot in my car until I know that I know that Jesus Christ lives in my life we can't go back at this precious little girl that's baptized we can't go back to when we're seven or eight or nine years old but today is the first day of the rest of your life and you can be born again today and start a brand new life today if you want to or you can go on being deceived every day every hour and almost every minute of every hour and be like all of the others that's your choice but if you're willing to confess your sins and believe that Jesus is the Christ and invite him into your life today, you can be born again and have something money can't buy and death cannot take away from you.